Kara's going to come up and share. Um, Kara's going to come up and tell us about uh, the Walk for Life for the Pregnancy Center. You can come on up, Kara. And then she's going she's gonna to share a little testimony with us, too. So I'm doing the Walk for Life this year. Um, it's in Bowling Green, Ohio. It's through the Pregnancy Center. Guys, I'm sorry. I'm a really bad public speaker. I've come to terms with it. I can sing in public, but I can't talk. Um, it's September 22nd in Bowling Green, pregnant or in Bowling Green at Carter Park. Um, they're doing a Color of My Life run. Uh, the reason I'm choosing to do this run, I'm gonna cry. Um, so in 2017 March, I found out I was pregnant with. A baby, of course. And I was so excited and told my husband, and we were so excited. And I went to all my doctor's visits. Everything was so good. And I was healthy, and the baby was healthy. And then all of a sudden, my blood pressure started going up. I never had that with any of my pregnancies. And On August, or sorry, on July 31st, I went to a normal doctor's appointment. Um, I had Arch for my son with me. He is now three. Because I go to my appointments with my kids all the time. It doesn't phase them. And normal visit. <clears throat> and um, Dr. Leggett and Bowling Green, I work with him at the hospital. He was also my doctor. So we have a pretty good rapport with each other. And... Um, when you go to your OB's visits, you lay down and they listen for the heartbeat and they check your blood pressure. And it was about five minutes of him trying to find my baby's heartbeat. And he said, I'm sorry, Kara, let's go down to the ultrasound. And we went down there and he was going to look for the baby's heartbeat that way. And he bolted up. He put the um, probe on me and started looking. And he looks at me and he hugs me. And he says, I'm sorry, Kara, but your baby has passed. <laughs> He's hugging me. I'm in tears. He's in tears. Archers, <laughs> mommy, why you cry? Well, since he went to heaven. So we have to go. The process is a long process, and they make you go multiple places. So we already once were told that our baby had passed, and I had to go to the hospital now to have an ultrasound there because they have to have a radiologist read it and confirm. So I had to have another ultrasound that day. So I went to the hospital, and I'm crying sitting there, and my peers are all around me in the hospital. And I get told there again. And the radiologist comes in and they reiterate over and over, you did nothing wrong. Don't think you were the problem. Your body did nothing wrong. It just happened. In my mind, I was like, well, I did live that patient the other day. And maybe I shouldn't have done that. I mean, even though they said that to me multiple times, I still 
sat there and questioned, well, I probably did something wrong. I probably did this wrong and lifted this patient. Maybe I shouldn't have done this. And so then we decided we were going to go to the hospital and deliver that day. They gave me the option of going home and taking it in for a little while. And I was like, no, I, I, I want to do this today. So we went to that day. So then the next day on August 1st, they started my delivery process. Mind you, I've had two C-sections for Archer and Sophie. And they wanted me to do a vaginal birth for Libby. It's a whole new world. So I'm sitting there experiencing this. And my brother Josh comes in with his wife and his family. And we're talking and laughing. And he leaves. And he sends me a, a text message that says, when you can listen to this, listen to it. He sent me the song, In the Eye of the Storm. It took me about five minutes because I wanted to listen to it by myself. So when no one was in my room, and I listened to it, and I sobbed. But I had so much peace after that. And that night, at 9 o'clock, we decided that I couldn't deliver vaginally. They were like, we can't do that. You can't do this. It's not working. And I said, okay, that's fine. So Dr. Miller called Dr. Leggett and said, we're going to have to do a C-section in the morning. And um, they were, um, Dr. Leggett said, okay, I would like to come in and do that C-section for her. On his, not his on-call day or anything. So he had planned on coming in and doing the C-section for me. And Dr. Miller is wonderful at Wood County Hospital. She is a very devoted um, Christian. She's absolutely wonderful. I love her to death. And at about midnight, my body kicked into labor. After my mom had sat at home praying and praying that I wouldn't have to have a C-section. And I'm sure many of you in this room sat at home praying and praying that I would have a smooth delivery and everything would be okay. So at midnight, I went into labor. My husband was snoring on the couch. I laugh about that to this day. It's a typical labor story. And we knew it was time and my mom was in the room with me, and my husband was in the room with me, and I sat up, and I was like, I think it's time to push. And they were, my nurse was like, oh, no, no, no. And I was like, no, I, th I think it's time to push. Um, earlier that day, Pastor Ron and Mary had came in and prayed with me also, and in my pregnancy journey, I have cried a lot with them <laughs> and prayed a lot with them and laughed a lot with them over the past year. And when Pastor Ron prayed for me that day, all I could think about was the words he said, and I just held those in my mind while I pushed. And I pushed, and I didn't know what I was having, and out came a baby girl. We named her Libby Rose. My daughter named, picked the name Rose. Um, we didn't know what had caused anything, why she had passed. And then I had peace again. Dr. Miller sat at the end of my bed for an hour while I was in labor. And it's not too often that you can have 
a Christian doctor in the room with you. And let me tell you, that was a blessing in itself. And she prayed after we delivered that baby. She prayed for me. She prayed for my baby. And you know what? I knew what a blessing. Libby was an angel, and she was an angel with a purpose. A purpose to reach her mom, a purpose to reach people in her church, and a purpose for me to go further and reach other people. And I'm going to go back to the walk for life. So we lost her at 22 weeks. Uh, 22 weeks they're, they're doing abortions at now. I couldn't fathom seeing another mom go through that. And the services the Boyne Green Pregnancy Center offers go far beyond what people even realize. When you walk into that room, into the building, you can feel the love, you can feel the Holy Spirit, and you can feel so much. And I walked into that room, into that building, many a times to talk to them about things. And I have even talked to them about losing Libby and about Knox. And I'm just saying, there are a vast, like it's in Bowling Green, Ohio. Look at what it's reaching. And it's right next to campus. And it's reaching not even college students, but there are other mo- mothers in Bowling Green, Ohio that it's reaching. And that is such a blessing, like such a blessing to Bowling Green, Ohio, to have that. It gives a mother who, say, was a young mom or was a mother without faith, without a support system, without God, it opens that door and it gives her that support system to be able to go through things in a pregnancy and to hold her hand and to guide her and to pray with her. And you know what? Sometimes they just plant the seed and it watered, it's get watered somewhere else and the flower grows somewhere else. But sometimes the flower grows right there in Bowling Green at the Bowling Green Pregnancy Center. What a hidden gem that is. And not a lot of people really, really, truly know about it. And um, a lot of the college students in Bowling Green, um, when you read, some of them protest it because they don't believe the services they're offering. They don't believe that they're um, really giving them all their options. And if you read their posts, you see they are giving them all their options They just choose not to go the route that a lot of people want to go. And it's not an easy road for people to come back from that. But they offer services there also. After that, if they if they did end up doing that and they decided they regret it or they're having struggling with it, they offer services to get them through that, to to pray for them, to be there with them. So back to me. Um, in October, I ran the OSU four miler with my sister. I can normally run with my sister. This race, however, I could not run. 
I was tired. I felt sick. And she was like, let's go. And I'm like, I'm trying, I'm trying. You can just go ahead without me. She's like, no, I'm not leaving you. I'm going to run with you. Okay, fine. And I looked at her about mile three. And I said, you know what? I think I might be pregnant again. She's like, I wondered. I said, okay. So I took a pregnancy test the next night when I got home. And sure enough, two seconds in, it was positive. I was pregnant. I sat in my bathroom and sobbed for an hour. I was not trying to have another baby. I didn't think I was ready to have another baby. But God did. So I waited till I got home. Well, I was home, but I waited till my husband got home. I'm sorry, I told you I suck at public speaking. I waited till my husband got home. And I told him that we were expecting again. My husband's a big, big burly man. Um, he cried. He cried. He was worried about me. He was worried about how I was going to be, how I was going to feel, what I was going to do. And so I told my mom, because you can't keep secrets from your mom, I was pregnant again. And she's like, I already knew. I said, you knew? She's like, yeah, I knew. And um, I told her, and we were at her work. And the nurse practitioner at her work um, goes to Spring. I love her to death. Her name is Ashley. And she had experienced a loss before me. And our babies, Libby and her son, were due at the same time. Um, she had a little boy who that was due with Libby. And he is beautiful and such a blessing to her. So we, my mom told her, my mom's like, I really feel like we need to tell Ashley. I said, okay, let's tell her. So we went and told her, and we were at Bowling Green Family Practice, and we told her, and we went into a room, and we prayed and over my pregnancy and over the baby and over my health. And we got done praying, and she looks at me, and she goes, I just want to tell you something. The Lord told me that this baby was going to be a baby boy. And I said, okay. I was unsure of it at that point in time. I didn't want to find out what we were having again. I like surprises. But my husband did. And we went to have our 20-week ultrasound. Mind you, through this whole pregnancy, in the beginning, I was a nervous wreck. And I kept telling myself, God is in control. Why am I so nervous? And I got into my car one day, and the song came on. I love worship music through and through. That It's my thing. Um, my kids and I listen to Caleb all the time in my car. 
and the song came on, Nothing's Going to Steal My Joy. And I tell you, God speaks when you get in your car. God speaks when you're out in the hall. He speaks at any point in time. And let me tell you, he was speaking to me right there. Nothing's going to steal your joy. And so we went and we found out what we were having. We asked the ultrasound tech to tell us. I didn't. My husband did. And she said, it's a boy. I called Ashley and my mom, and I said, it's a boy. And they were like, well, we knew that. I said, I know, but I'm telling you it's for sure a boy. Um, again, I hit about the 22 mark in my pregnancy. I was nervous because my blood pressure started to rise again. With Libby, we found out that it was a cord accident. It was cord torsion. Her cord was so coiled like a phone cord that nothing was getting through. So my body was working in overtime to try to push stuff to her. So again, my blood pressure, when it started to rise, I started to panic. Oh my goodness, my blood pressure is rising. What am I going to do? I called my doctor. He makes me do all these tests, and then he takes me off of work. I said, okay, we're, we're in April now. I'm off of work. I'm twiddling my thumbs with my children. And I had, I will, I had no peace at that point, no peace, I thought. Oh my goodness, it's happening again. And I will share this a little bit, and my husband will probably kill me for this. My husband to this day, and I pray for him daily, he is struggling. He wonders why God would do this to him twice. He wonders why God would take Libby, and then he wonders why God would put Knocks through that. And to tell you guys that, he needs to, he needs prayer. Because I tell him all the time when something amazing happens to Knox, I say that's the power of prayer and that is God. And sometimes I think he's getting so close, but I really think he still struggles with the fact that he thinks that what he did when he was younger is, and we've had this talk, is repercussioning on him now. And that this is, this is God coming back at him, and I have to tell him on a daily basis, it's not. It's not at all. And I'll tell him that that's Satan attacking him, and that's not God. And he struggles with it. He won't admit that he struggles with it, but he struggles with it. <clears throat> and I pray for him on a daily basis. So... We get back to um, the appointment. We go to the appointment. He takes me off work, and he's like, you know what, Kara, I'm going to send you to see a specialist, um, a maternal fetal medicine in Toledo, just to kind of cross my T's and dot my I's. And I said, okay, that's fine with me. So it's April 17th around that time, and he's like, we got to make you an appointment. And my appointment was made for, they couldn't get me in until... In the beginning of May, I believe. 
And the next week I was sitting at home. It's almost the end of April. We celebrated Grant's birthday, thinking I'm, I have a healthy pregnancy at this point in time. And um, I'm sitting at home two days later, and I'm like, something's not right. My baby is not kicking. <coughs> I went to the doctor, and they hooked me up to a stress monitor, and they... Um, kind of count kicks and watch his heart rate. And Dr. Leggett said, you know what, Kara, I really don't like how this is reading out. Can we send you to, we're going to send you to Toledo, and you're going to get admitted, and MFM's going to see you now. I said, okay. He let me drive there. He, they were, Toledo wanted me transferred. They wanted me to go to the ER and then drive there or ride an ambulance up, and Dr. Leggett's like, no, she can, she'll drive there, she'll get there, it, it'll be fine. So I drove, I had to stop at home and get Grant, I had to call Grant and say, Grant, we have to go to Toledo Hospital, they want to monitor the baby. So I pick him up, I could tell he had been crying. We get to Toledo, we get hooked up to a monitor, um, they don't like how it's reading. Um, they do an ultrasound. They said my fluid was low. Uh, and they were concerned with that, but they were just going to monitor me. And they said, you'll probably be here until you deliver this baby. I said, okay. And I thought that it was going to be like weeks from now. I was just going to sit in the hospital. I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I was going to sit in the hospital and wait to deliver my baby. Well, come to find out that night, I went to the restroom. And I came back, and they went to hook up the monitors, and Knox's heart rate had dropped. It was down to 76. And I had everyone in my room. They had hooked me up to oxygen. Grant was standing there. My mom came back by then. And they were like, the doctor came in again, and he said, you're not allowed to get out of bed anymore. I said, okay, I won't. I didn't, but I had to go to the bathroom again. So I went to the bathroom again, because, of course, you know, they pump you with fluids. I had to go to the bathroom again, and this time it was about, one in the morning, I went to the bathroom, and Knox's heart rate had dropped to 76 again. And everybody came into the room, and the doctor looked at me, and he said, we're having this baby now. I said, okay. After they had explained it to me this whole time, everything before that, like everything, the, all the possibilities, they lay them all out on the, on the table for you and tell you everything that could happen from worst case scenario to best case scenario, what they want you to do. They tell you their odds. And I was sitting there and I was just like, I was overwhelmed at that point in time. And so we 
they had me in the delivery room for a C-section in less than five minutes. They had knocks out. And immediately, at 29 weeks, he was crying. And he was breathing on his own. They intubated him for five minutes. And they only did that because they wanted to put trifactin in him to kind of help um, his lungs since they were so premature. And... And my mom had been waiting in the waiting room, praying and praying for us. And Knox was born at three pounds, eight ounces. And um, was it put on CPAP at 29 weeks. Do you know how amazing that is to be at 29 weeks and put on only CPAP? I knew God was so good at that point. And I got to see him that night. And then um, I would go see him from my room every day. And on May 4th, I'm telling you, I, I thought for sure Satan was really coming after me. On May 4th, the doctors came in. That was after seven days of an IVH protocol. And it means that they have to keep the baby's body completely in line for seven days since he was born less than 30 weeks. And they can't um, really rotate him um, or anything. And at, on May 4th, they told me that Knox had grade 4 um, bilateral bleeds. And they told me on my worst case scenario and my best case scenario. And I was blown away. But my mom looked at me and my mom said, God's got this. And you have to remember God's in control. So we left that night. And we left that night. And they told me, um, I went and got in my car and they said, the song came on, nothing's going to steal my joy. Again. <laughs> you know, I think you were going to love you until the rest of that story. I know. So he um, is now cleared of his brain bleeds, and the clots are completely gone in his ventricles, and the power of prayer is so awesome, and God really spoke to me in this journey, and I am so thankful that he opened up so many doors to me. And I'm thankful for that. And I'm going to be back at the back. If you guys, I encourage you to come walk with me for the walk of life. Um, and enjoy it with me. And if you don't, just come and enjoy something. I'll stop talking. <laughs> she can sing, too. That was good, Kara.
you know, she didn't get to, I know she wanted to tell the whole, a whole story. There was a lot more. She could have went on for a while, but, uh, you know, Knox is back in the back, so if you want to see him, like, help yourself. We do have uh, baptism today, so um, I just want to share a scripture. And it says, if you confess in Romans 10, 9, it says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And, you know, it's, it's acts that we do, you know, believe in our heart, confess with our mouth. We are saved. Then the Bible says that, you know, when we believe that we need to be baptized. So in, in compliance with God's word, oh, um, some, hey, Julie, is that Julie or Gerald, would you go back and get the boys, bring the kids in? Yeah, go back and get the kids. Um, that the Bible says, you know, baptism is an act of obedience. You know, once when we're saved, we would need to make a public confession. We need, to, we need to stand up. We need to be willing to do that, not just at baptism, but it says if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth, we shall be saved. So, you know, it's believing in our heart, which that's hard to see. You know, it's hard to see what goes on in people's hearts. But if we believe in our heart, then what's going to happen? We're going to confess with our mouth. You know, it's going to come out. You can't just keep it in. It's going to come out. We're going to say it. In, um, in uh, do you have another scripture up there? Um, that one there, <laughs> in Luke 6, 45. It says, a good man out of a good treasure his heart brings forth good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of what we believe in our heart, our mouth speaks. And so what we say, folks, is really important. And what we confess is important. And what we do is important. You know, what our actions also are a revelation of what's in our hearts. And so today when we come to baptism, I believe that baptism is an expression of what's in our heart. You know, it's an expression of what we believe. And it's willing to be able to do it publicly and stand up and say, this is what I believe. This is what I believe. So today, we've got some individuals that are going to come forward. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask them to make a confession. Now, obviously, I'm going to ask questions. And nobody's under duress. They don't have to answer the questions. They might be embarrassed if they don't. But, but you know, nobody has to answer them. But most of them have already made that statement that they want to be baptized. And so... You know, I'm going to ask them to come forward. Um, I'm going to bring up Destiny first. Destiny, you come up first. We'll wait for the boys when the boys get back from, from kids' church. But um, Destiny Parker is, um, I bring up Destiny alone because um, Destiny, we've known Destiny since she was a little bitty girl, right? Uh-huh, yeah. Um, Destiny is uh, somebody that we picked up on the, on the bus and the vans in the past, and uh, Destiny's grown up. And Destiny said, you know what? She says, I want to be baptized. She said, I've, I've never done that, so I want to be baptized. So we're just excited that Destiny's going to do it. Also today, um, we also have uh, um, Bertha Valente is going to come up. Oh, the boys, where are, they, are they right there? They got to go to the bathroom? <laughs> All right. Um, why don't you, you come on up? I'll bring, we'll just call them forward. Um, Bertha also has never been baptized and has once come bap- be baptized. And she has her grandsons, right? Her grandsons with her. Why don't you stand over here with them now? Here, you can stand over here with Bertha and face me. Okay, kind of. There you go. Anyway, Bertha is uh, 
also has her grandsons with her. They've been coming to church, and, and they want to be baptized. And uh, so, you know, it's just really neat. And let me say this about grandmothers. Grandmothers nowadays have lots of influence. Lots of influence. We get lots of opportunities for various reasons. Various reasons we get lots of opportunities to minister to grandchildren. And so I think it's really important that grandmothers take those opportunities to, to reach out to your grandchildren and share with your grandchildren and, you know, to bring them to church like you're doing and, and to be an influence. So, um, guys, why don't you come on up? Um, we have uh, Royal Ferguson. Are you here, Royal? I think I saw him. Royal and Adonis. Is he still in the bathroom? Oh, there he is. All right. Okay, so we got everybody here now. Good, good. Um, I just want to ask a couple questions, you know, and my questions are geared to them making a statement of faith. So my first question is, you know, we have to realize why we're doing this. You know, why, why do I want to be baptized? And the basic reason we want to be baptized is because we admit that we need to be because we're sinners. You know, apart from Christ, we're sinners. We're separated from him. So you come today and you're willing to say, I'm a sinner. So my first question, okay, when I ask, after I ask the question, then you can answer yes, hopefully. So my first question is, do you admit you're a sinner and that you need someone to save you? That, you know, you need somebody to save you. Do you admit that? If so, say, I, yet, I do. All right. Well, then we need somebody to save us. So the next question is, do we accept the fact that Jesus came and shed his blood and died for us and made that payment for our sin, that Jesus made the payment for your sin, that our sin separates us from God. And Jesus came and died on a cross and paid the price so that we can be accepted by God. So do you admit that Jesus is your Savior and accept him as your Savior? If so, say yes. All right. Now here's one that's for the future. You know, getting baptized is an event today, and it's a great event. But you know, the future, it's a beginning. And so in the future, we need to follow. And so my next question is, do you promise to follow and obey God's word as you walk with him and as you become his disciple and do what he wants you to do? So now it's a matter, are you willing to keep doing what God wants? And so if so, say, I do. Okay, let's all stand. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for these who have come and made this statement and confession of faith. Lord, we thank you for each and every one of them and for where they're at. Lord, we just pray that your Holy Spirit just continue to guide them. Lord, just keep them close to you. Keep them faithful to you and your word. We just thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.